From one coast to another, it's Cavern. Vern? In Kevin, everything is fine. Vern, it's award season. Ah, yes. The statues. <laughs> oh, those little gold men. How they, how they dance. How they tell us what's truly worthwhile, Vern. But I, I have, um, I'm unfolding my, uh, my, my cookbook here, and I have a bit of a hot take. A hot take on awards. A hot take on awards season, which we are in the, the dog days of now, baby. It's all leading up just eight short months to Oscar. Fern, I, I know that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences works hard to put on the Academy Awards every year and give out Sweet Oscar to those, the best and brightest among us, those that they think are most deserving. But if I'm, if I'm slowly unfolding my hot teeth here, I don't think they always get it right. You think they always get it right? No, I don't. I don't oh, think they always... Oh, okay. I know. I know you thought instinctively that I would say that every single time they got it right, that, like... Certainly, Green Book uh, was the best picture of last year and not the third best Peter Farrelly movie. I uh, got really confused because you said it was a hot take. And where I am, as far as the Oscars goes, saying that they always get it right is like scorching for me. <laughs> that is the hot take, is to say like they have been right in every instance. I will change my opinion to fit their awards. No, no, no. The only deserving actor is Meryl Streep. That's, That's it, baby. Uh, I, I was, She's the only good one. The, the, the best performance from Leonardo DiCaprio is the one where he screams the most. Oh, thank God we're finally committing this to tape. Uh, yeah, what I love about acting is when you don't fake anything. Uh, what acting is, is just being cold and eating gross shit like you're on fucking Fear Factor and <laughs> taking home sweet Oscar. Uh, acting, acting is definitely not pretending you're eating something gross or pretending to be cold. Acting is just being cold. And that, going back to an earlier episode, that's why I'm upset that I couldn't be starving to death on an island because I could have a trophy. You could have sweet Oscar I for could being be, a little hungry. I could finally I... tell everyone that I am a good actor because I genuinely felt hungry. <laughs> but instead, I just got to sit there and go rub my tummy and be like, mm, I'm hungry. Oh, me and no one And no one believes it. You, you're you're like, oh, 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 you know what? I'm getting, a little, I'm getting a little peckish. And you wait for like Henry Winkler to roll up in a fucking rolls and oh, hold on. I got your trophy. And he hands it to you because you were hungry. And you, and if it's a little drafty in a room, you you wait. Henry's going to show up and he's going to give you a trophy for being cold. That's And that's how it should be. That is the... The best acting is when you don't act and actually feel all the things that your character is supposed to be feeling. The yeah. best editing is uh, actually the most editing. Whatever whatever qualifies as the movie who did the most editing. Yes. Whichever movie does the most cuts because you got to uh, you gotta drag it up into the timeline, control I, like, you got you to move things around. Um, 
It's a it's a whole ordeal. Best cinematography is you know the one where they use the most you know the most natural lighting, the most you know like it it it, it doesn't matter if you use a simpler form of cinematography, a very simpler style of shooting your movie because that's what the script calls for. You need to send out the entire. You know, if it, yes, you can do it handheld for this for this moment where the main character is talking about what it's like to lose his mother. But no, you need to bust out the fucking dolly and the jib and the crane all together on top of each other. The Russian arm. Tell me about it. Yes, you 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 to to win best score. It needs to be a score that makes that that rips the audience out of the movie and goes like, oh, there's a lot of score going on right now. And the the best way to have you know the best score is by using moments from other movie songs that have one best score in your score. Why write new songs? Those old songs are just as good. What's really important to the Academy is that you recognize that they're the most important thing and that movies are the most important thing to ever be conceived to you know it's 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 you you gotta creating new is not always important referencing old is what is bow down bow down you know why make new stuff when you can just take that you know take it take an old joke wash it off in the river dry it out a little bit it's good as new this is my favorite real life example of why the Oscars are good and why there's nothing wrong with them at all and why their logic isn't completely flawed. This is my favorite example, uh, and this is absolutely true. So, uh, there's a movie that Kevin and I, Kevin, you yourself, and me, uh, myself, are quite a big fan of. It's called The Godfather. Love it. Oh, I'm unfolding my second uh, cookbook of hot takes. My hot take, Godfather, good movie. Good, uh, a second only to maybe Godfather 2? Ah, oh, 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 Vern, ooh, 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 my arm hairs are singed such a hot take. Real quick, and I'll get back to my example. Kevin, I was thinking about this the other day. I recently had the pleasure of seeing uh, Godfather 2 in 35mm. Um, That's very small. At the at the uh, Grand Illusion Cinema. How did you Cinema. see that? Did you uh, get like a telescope? Yeah, it was it was under a microscope. Uh, it was it was a little <laughs> slide projection, a little slide. They uh, it was they had an eyedropper full of uh, Godfather Two bacteria that they put on the slide for me. Uh, and I watched this movie, uh, and of course, it's like completely floored by it. It was like seeing something, seeing it for the first time all over again. Just felt everything. Every time I watch this movie, I, I get something new out of it. And that movie, Godfather 2, uh, features a supporting role from Lee Strasberg. And Lee Strasberg is maybe the most famous acting teacher in the history of like acting. He's got a he's got a whole sect of acting named after him. Yes. Uh and anyone you like as an actor has learned either directly from him or they were influenced by his way of teaching. Uh, And as far as I know, he did majority of his acting on stage. He wasn't much of a film actor. Um, But the exception to that is The Godfather 2. And I was watching The Godfather 2, and 
there's a scene, uh, a very, like, uh, incredible scene, because the whole movie is, but there's a scene in that movie uh, where it's it's his character's birthday, and they bring out a cake for him for his birthday, and there's this very symbolic where they're cutting up the cake and signifying that there's everyone is getting a piece of this bigger thing. Um, visual storytelling, I like it. Uh, but Hyman Roth, the character that Lee Strasberg plays in this scene... It's his birthday, and they're bringing him the cake, and he, saw, and he says, they better have gotten my age right. I'm very particular about them getting my age right. How many times has that happened? Because his whole life, Ivan Roth has been, has been plagued by, by faulty Dairy Queen ice cream cakes that can't fucking write eight. And he's always, they're always off. It doesn't matter. His his 16th birthday, they shipped him off to college. Nobody can get Hyman's Roth's names right. And I understand, like, pet peeves are formed out of repetition. But usually the repetition is, like, pretty close in occurrence, not exactly one year apart every year. You know what I mean? Like, if every time, like... Very quickly after you learn after you learn to start driving, you realize like how annoying it is when someone takes your parking spot. But that can happen, you know, three times within one period of driving. Does just every year he get numerous cakes? You know, like how did it happen once and did he just make a big deal about it for the rest of his life? I don't know. And there's just a few other times in that movie where like he talks about like how he's dying and he's gonna die any minute and he he ultimately gets shot, and that's how he does it. He does not die of natural causes. Is Lee Strasberg really a good actor who played a weird guy, or is he just a fucking weird guy? Do you think in the future there will just be, like, Petri dishes of Casablanca? I think so, yeah. You introduced this concept to me. Of the bacteria. Of scientific of movies. And Casablanca while we were bacteria. talking about fucking Hyman Roth for like the 19th time in our friendship, specifically yes. just sitting down to talk about Hyman Roth, I just got stuck on this idea that like movie studios would need to like get funding for an incubator so that they could uh, uh grow a uh, make a bacterial growth like a reproduction of like the italian romeo and juliet that everybody loved that we would fucking have a fungal growth of kenneth branagh's henry v we never thought it would happen but this the spinoff is thriving it's really reacting very well to this light uh We've got soldiers on the battlefield are, are plagued not by bullets, by, like, a gangrenous growth of 21 Jump Street that congeals over their foot. Like, uh, instead of, like, Agent Orange being used in the battlefield, they're just, like, weaponizing, like, 28 days later. Instead of, like, a zombie virus, it's just a zombie movie virus. <laughs> In, in in the future, instead of anesthesia, you will just take a brief commercial break. And yeah, just bump into you ads for tampons. They're gonna they're gonna put the uh, the little mask on your face, and all right, we're gonna just gonna slowly start pumping two thousand one a space odyssey into you, <laughs> and you just really? yeah, just knock you right knock out, you right <laughs> the fuck out. <laughs> Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a beautiful... I've developed a new genre of movie 
where the goal is to fall asleep. (laughs) If the movie accomplishes its goal of lulling you off to sleep, it is a bastion of that genre. We're talking Christopher Robin. We're talking 2001 A Space Odyssey. We're talking Wake and Ned Divine, where my review is, I got very relaxed. I fell asleep. 10 out of 10. You fucking did it. It was incredible. Waking Ned Devine ends up, like, sleeping Kevin Lanigan. Uh, yeah, just, I think there's, like, 28 minutes into 2001 A Space Odyssey before a line of dialogue is spoken, and that's usually right about when I start drifting off. <laughs> I usually get that first or second line of dialogue, and then I am out. I know if anyone can prove to me that that movie has anything between that bone going up in the sky and that robot going crazy i don't know if anyone can prove to me that there's a movie in between those moments i think there is approximately 15 minutes of blank screen where the audience catches some much needed rest and then we resume they always say like nothing is as good as you imagined it you know and maybe that's why it's considered one of the best movies because Everyone just has their own dream version of what happens in that movie. Man, I love 2001 A Space Odyssey. I love that scene where I get to hug my grandma again. <laughs> you know, just... No like... two people can agree on what happens in the middle of that movie. Because for some, they, they they have like a naked high school... There, there's an excellent section in the middle of 2001 where I get to have sex with whoever I want. It doesn't matter. It could be a close personal friend who happens to be very attractive. It could be a celebrity from my youth who doesn't look that way anymore. 2001 is a miracle because anything can happen in it. 2001 is one of the most effective horror movies I've ever seen because I really did believe for 15 minutes that I was going to have to repeat kindergarten again (laughs) due to some paperwork malfunction. I really thought that was really going to be a thing. Uh, And then somehow I just, you know, ended up in a floating red room with a mean computer. It's fucking an incredible work of cinema. It's an incredible, incredible movie. There's a sequel to that movie that's not at all, like, it has none of the original cast or crew. Has John Lithgow? Vern, there are three book sequels to that movie. Say what? (laughs) He kept going. Arthur C. Clarke, like, it was not just, like, robot done. We we kept going deeper and deeper. It was, like, 2010, the year we made Contact, or 2100, the year we made Contact. That motherfucker keeps going to, like, 3001. You know how we, as a joke, had someone reading Children of Dune and Doom to You? Yeah, uh, that's what we and thought the joke of that was. We that, that's what, that was what was intended to be the joke, but we... Uh, we misunderstood our audience. The joke I'm was sorry. actually my penis. I'm sorry, Kevin, we're the biggest joke in this show that you worked really hard on writing and it being a shot of your penis. <laughs> I don't know uh, how you feel about it. Mixed. <laughs> Mixed. But I was very surprised whenever I learned, like, I assumed, like, Children of Dune were like, oh, okay, Children, it's the offspring. That is the last in the Dune series. The first book being a thousand pages long. But that's like book four. And there's like ten Dune books. Yeah. I don't understand it. That's a lot 
of arguing about who gets the space and who gets the spice. Uh, Wait, they're arguing over both things? Those are two uh, separate items. The, the space in which the spice is, I guess. Mm. Um, just a lot of just... it. I, I love Dune. I've been reading Dune, and I really like how it paints this fanciful, uh, fantastical science fiction world where, you know, like there's... Uh, like you have to wear these specialized suits that retain your moisture while in the desert. But what we're actually going to do is spend a hundred pages where everyone's just kind of at a dinner table talking about politics. I love all the world building for just sitting around and talking. Thrilling. Read. It's, <laughs> it's it a, sounds fucking uh, riveting. A thousand pages of that. Who sign me up, Jack. It's a, uh, it's, it's got its moments. Uh, one of these days, I'll finish it, but also a thousand pages long. Remember when we were talking about award shows? <laughs> yeah, Vern, the reason I bring up the Academy Awards uh, is that I think there is one actor, uh, and anyone that follows me on social media is keenly aware of this already, but I think there is one actor who, for a certain role, deserves an Oscar so strongly that no one else should be allowed to have one. And retroactively, he should be the only one who has won one. Okay, so it's a he. There is one actor deservant of an Academy Award. Only one. And it is not Lee Strasberg. It's not it Lee Strasberg. It's not Tim Meadows. It's not Tim Meadows. Um, I know, I know. I'm talking to Kevin, so I know you're not going to say Isabella Johnny for her role in Possession. No, I'm not going to say Isabella Johnny for her role in Possession. Uh, and I know you're not. I know you're not going to say Laura Dern. No, I mean I like Laura Dern. I'm sorry, I like Laura Dern, but again, against this powerhouse, this titan, Laura Dern unfortunately does not stack up. Who Who is this? I, I feel like I know who this actor is, but who is this actor? There is one actor, Vern Tooley, deserving of an Academy Award. Not one actor, colon, Vern Tooley. It's one actor, no. comma. Okay. <laughs> there is one actor, comma, Vern Tooley, comma, <laughs> deserving of an Academy Award. And of course, that is Matthew Lillard for his performance as Shaggy in the oh, live-action yes, Scooby-Doo yes. movies. I, I should have seen this coming. You uh, should have. You didn't. Yeah, and I... now it's here. It's upon us. We're putting this on the record. That's it, baby. All right. Matthew Lillard. First up, baseline. Transformative performance. That is, he so fully embodies the role of Shaggy that when the- Shaggy his, Rogers. The, Shaggy Rogers, best friend of Scoobert Doo, of course, from Mystery Incorporated, who ride around in the Mystery Machine and the cartoon Hanna-Barbera program, Scooby Doo, comma, where are you? Vegetarian Shaggy Rogers. Is he not, does he not eat a tremendous amount of pastrami? Uh, he used to, but in the very, in the original series, uh, Shaggy used to eat pastrami, but what happened is Casey Kasem, who voiced Shaggy Rogers, nice. became a vegetarian, and his stipulation for continuing to voice Shaggy Rogers was that Shaggy become a vegetarian, and Hanna-Barbera, Hanna-Barbera agreed to it, and subsequently, Shaggy, and now that Casey Kasem is no longer with us, and all subsequent Scooby-Doo media, uh, Shaggy Rogers is a vegetarian. 
out of respect for Casey Kasem. That is interesting. I did not know that. Even though now, of course, he is voiced by Matthew Lillard. Yes. Who originated the on-screen role of Shaggy. Transformative performance for That is not the movie-talking guy from Scream. That is not SLC Punk. He has fully become the Shaggy. Am I wrong, Fred? The, uh, I would, I am inclined to agree, I'm inclined to agree with you. The only performance that gives Matthew Lillard as Shaggy a run for his money is Matthew Lillard in Twin Peaks The Return. Maybe it's just that, like, Matthew Lillard, really good at being afraid. He's so good at being scared. He, the way he moves his body, Vern, is, is a contorted performance the likes of which we had not seen before or hence he does fern does he not act almost all of his scenes in that movie opposite a dog that does not exist does he not fern Tooley? uh a dog that not only does not exist but in the finished film looks less like a dog than a blue pole with a tennis ball on the end. <laughs> I would be more convinced by a tennis ball on a stick with two Scooby ears sticking off of it. And yet, Vern, and yet, despite some unbelievably dodgy 2000-era CGI, we believe wholeheartedly in the dog Scooby-Doo because Matthew Lillard puts it on a plate and fucking sells it to us. I think... Just like we were talking earlier, the key to being a great actor is not pretending to be afraid, but legitimately being afraid. And the times where Matthew Lillard has spoken to us the most, you and me both, is times in which he was afraid, both as Shaggy and as, or the principal in Twin Peaks The Return. So he does need to get an Oscar. He does need to be awarded but also, like, we need to we need to find out what's making him so afraid. What is Matthew Lillard scared of? Is it auteur filmmaker David Lynch? Is it a tennis ball on a stick? Does he have some storied history we don't know? But likely Strasberg, he pulls from the his emotions, Vern. He he rings them right to the surface, and whether or not. He's scared of anything on set. He can so conjure those feelings that it is unmistakable to me that the dog Scooby-Doo is there. Whether or not the CGI is convincing, we know because Shaggy knows, because Matthew knows that the dog is there. Faith is not about logic, you know? You just gotta blindly accept. And uh, Matthew, Matthew Lillard, despite his fear just has faith that Scooby-Doo... The question isn't, Scooby-Doo, where are you? It's, Scooby-Doo, you are there. It's We, we know where Scooby-Doo is because Matthew Lillard has is pointing the way for us. Has brought him, his eyeline, unimpeachable. You watch so many films, Vern, where an actor is acting opposite a cartoon that is not there, a computer, and the eyelines don't match up. The eyeline is impeccable, Vern. You can watch a sequence where he and Scooby-Doo, two friends from birth, beautiful brothers in mystery-solving blood, are, 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 are at ends because Scooby believes 
that Isla Fisher is a monster in disguise. And Shaggy, of course, does not believe that Isla Fisher is a monster. And they, these two friends, fists raise and circle each other in a, in a, in a steady cam shot of ducking and weaving and dialogue engaged with a dog that doesn't exist. Kevin, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry to cut this off. I, I just had this thought and I need to know if the internet was where it is now, back when the Scooby-Doo movies were released. In the year 2000! Uh, thank you, La Bamba. Uh, do you think that the internet would have reacted as hostily towards Scooby-Doo as they did towards Sonic the Hedgehog? I accept your hypothetical. Now, we're saying that the exact same film comes out. Mm -hmm. The exact... Not a frame or a pixel is different. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> think of the change.org petitions that we would have been <laughs> plagued with. Think of the men who have to who have to who have to dwell deep into their soul like some sort of Matthew Lillard chud, just pulling up, pretending to be angry about Scooby-Doo, daring to claim that the fans deserve better about Scooby-Doo. And you, oh, and you know what, Kevin? That's horseshit. That the fans deserve better because what? is the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, but a bunch of half-baked, warm over, warmed-over ideas that get executed with the worst execution you could possibly the, the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise, since Sonic Spinball for Sega Genesis, <laughs> has been just like, has been... The assignments due at eleven o'clock. We turn it in at ten fifty nine. Like it has been that for so long. It's only fitting that Sonic looks like what he does in the trailer. When the most recent Sonic media we have is Sonic Boom, the game where if you jump up with Knuckles and then pause it and then jump again, you can levitate and you fly. Can fly into the very sky. Every Sonic game was assembled in the way that term papers are, in that you get to a stopping point the night before it's due, say, I'm going to wake up in the morning and give this a polish. You wake up seconds before that paper is due. You quickly log on to Blackboard and submit whatever it was you had. And, and so, like, this whole thing, like, the Sonic fans deserve better, like, where were you guys a decade ago? <laughs> <laughs> because now, these, the they're so used to these, like, shitty trash piles that they've painted blue and called Sonic, <laughs> that, that these diehard Sonic fans defend those, as if those are the things that we're supposed to be protecting. It's so, it's hideous for me. I can't look at it. Much like the cartoon visage of Scooby-Doo. Do you think that the people who made the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that's been pushed back, it's release date has been pushed back an entire calendar year, do you think they just look at the trailers for Detective Pikachu and just like, Motherfucker, God, son of a bitch, fucking like... Well, and submit, and I'm done... Making the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now, 
to take a big sip from my MAGA celebratory coffee and play this new trailer for Detective Pikachu. I don't know, maybe it's just because Pokemon has built up more goodwill over the course of two decades than Sonic has, but like... Pikachu looks like a monster. <laughs> like, he is a pocket monster, don't get me wrong. But, like, he, you know, like, he looks like uh, one of those, like, melted yellow marshmallow peeps, <laughs> like, in Detective Pikachu. And we're like, he's so cute. But, like, we saw Sonic, we're like, no! <laughs> Put it back! <laughs> I, I, I feel terrible uh for the sonic the hedgehog people because uh they're all all their vfx animators are just like working 40 hour days now not 40 hour weeks 40 hour days uh to to polish this sonic the hedgehog and it's gonna come out and it's it's still not it's still gonna be a sonic movie (laughs) still gonna be Sonic the Hedgehog. It's still gonna be Jim Carrey as some garbage bin in living color character he <laughs> pulled out. <laughs> he resurrected. It's still gonna be a Sonic movie where, like, James Marsden is on the Green Hill Zone PD. Like, that's still the Sonic movie that's going to come out. He's just going to look like Jaleel White or whatever. It's not taking back Super Mario Sunshine and getting Super Mario Odyssey. It's taking Sonic Adventure 2 Battle and getting Sonic Adventure. <laughs> like, Ooh. it's still bad. Yeah, like, it's not. It's all wrong, Vern. Uh, what I was saying earlier was, um, the year The Godfather was released to the Oscars. Um, originally it was nominated for Best Score, but then it came out that, uh, Nino Rota, who did the score for, um, The Godfather, had actually used that same score in a previous movie. So the, the Academy rescinded the nomination for The Godfather, and then two years later, what fucking wins the Oscar for best original score but The Godfather Part 2? <laughs> a sequel where they reuse the music. The Academy Awards are bullshit. But Matthew Lillard should have one. Oh, but absolutely. They should. They should. Uh, the next Oscars should be where they give Matthew Lillard one Oscar. And then they, they say, we're done. <laughs> All right. Call it off. Send in the dancing girls. Have Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway be like, Matthew Millard? Oh, wait. And then. Oh, sorry. We. Oh, Green Book. It's so. How could they fuck that up? La La Land had won 12 Oscars that night. How could they think it got Best Picture? <laughs> it, when it was the best by every other standard. <laughs> how could they have thought it was the Best Picture? Those what dummies. Fools. <laughs> Warren Beatty, the man who has allegedly had sex with a thousand women. The alleged subject of uh, You're So Vain by Carly Simon, the most vain musician in the history of music. And with that Carly Simon dunk, we bid you adieu. Peace out, Cub Scouts.